Hi, and welcome to Research Talks, a podcast series that explores how research is making an impact on people and policies, with a focus on the how, brought to you by IFPRI. I'm your host, Sivan Yosef, and today we're going to dive right into a story from India about playing games. Let's hear a little preview from Ruth Mines and Dick, a senior research fellow with IFPRI. Managing resources sustainably and equitably requires cooperation. There isn't a single magic bullet for this, but we have to find ways to get people talking about what will lead to greater cooperation. And so if games are one instrument that can help that to happen, great. And maybe if we can do it for groundwater in, in places in India, we can do it for other water resources. Maybe we can even build it up to address some of the, the other greater challenges. Experimental gains have a huge potential to get people to cooperate in conserving shared resources like water. IFPRI partnered with an Indian nonprofit organization called the Foundation for Ecological Security, or FES, to improve water use. The foundation started out focusing on tree grower cooperatives, but now it does work on rehabilitating whole ecologies or systems to improve rural people's lives. Here's Jagdish Rao, the founder CEO of FES. In mid 80s, the extent of land which was lying degraded uh, became apparent to policymakers. They actually called for a nationwide uh, reforestation, revegetation mission to restore such degraded lands. So Jagdesh's organization started setting up tree grower cooperatives in five states in India, replicating the milk cooperative model that had been so successful in the country. So your aim was to create these tree cooperatives so that the rural poor could have fuel wood and fodder for the animals. Did it go well? No, not at all. We had conceived cooperatives as a wonderful social construct which would bring the people together and go about planting saplings, taking care of their uh, common lands. By 90s, we started seeing a couple of symptoms of things not working well. The very people whom we wanted to serve, the very poor people, women, pastoralists, livestock keepers, they were being somehow kept aside. They were not included in these cooperatives. The cooperatives were also promoting a business model for recovering land, whereby firewood was suddenly up for sale. Village people, importantly, were not looking at it as some uh, merchandising kind of a model. They were looking at these lands to become natural forests so that the improvement in forest cover would yield them better fodder. It would bring them a range of medicines, uh, berries, fruit, tubers, mushrooms, and water availability in the villages would increase. We were making serious mistakes, some millions of dollars of mistakes. By our very design, we were disenfranchising about half of the village. 
you are only looking at trees and not other elements of the ecosystem like the birds and butterflies and flows of water and insects and so on what we realized was we are only touching on the tips of the iceberg Jagdish and his colleagues realized that they wanted not cooperatives but rather cooperation and they wanted to look not just at trees but the entire ecosystem this led them in search of inspiration on how to help people work together to manage all of the natural resources that make up the ecosystem resources like water forests pastures this is called collective action in 2006 their staff went to an ifpri course on natural resource management and collective action run by senior researcher ruth mines and dick you heard ruth in the beginning of this podcast here she is again we were doing a training course for mid-career professionals in NGOs and government agencies in India to discuss the lessons from our research a number of FES staff were attending and we were really impressed with how diligently they did the homework but also how they could address the links between the research and their own work uh Jagdish contacted me we met I learned more about the organization and we started to collaborate on uh developing first of all a source book that would distill a lot of those lessons into something that was in easier to understand language Jagdish and I met again in Hyderabad and he said okay all of this is good but we really need something for the first mile delivery what what is first mile delivery what what does that mean so they work a lot directly with the communities and uh they wanted to know how do we take our research on collective action and do something that's directly useful for the communities here's chuck dish again village people started talking more and more that by protecting forests what they increasingly see is uh, improved stream flows but with increasing water availability people started changing their cropping patterns too so places where there was no paddy no sugarcane people were bringing in this commercial crop and changing the land use this brought us into a totally new domain as such when we started talking to the village people they said that if i don't take the water if i don't use the land for growing paddy my neighbor would do it while people are used to cooperating around uh forests or even surface water resources that you can see what was happening with groundwater is people can pump out a lot more water than is replenished but they don't often realize the connections or they uh can't see what what each other are doing as well so it's one of the really hardest um common pool resources or shared resources to manage effectively so ruth you and jagdish are talking and he's basically proposing that you apply all of your research on collective action and you work directly with communities on this groundwater puzzle. What was your reaction? Very intrigued. Um 
I got into this field because I wanted to make a difference for communities, but it's also a big challenge because I knew that groundwater is really a difficult um, nut to crack. There, there was growing amount of work of using experimental games to measure people's likelihood of cooperating. And some friends of mine, Juan Camilo Cardenas and Marco Janssen in particular, had been doing, uh, using these games and noticing that after they did these games, sometimes there was a higher uh, degree of cooperation. So we decided to test whether those games could be used as an intervention in the communities. Had you ever used a game before in your research? No, I actually hadn't. <laughs> I thought it could actually be a useful tool. And it's also a lot more fun and engaging than just lecturing people. So Marco Janssen of Arizona State University designed a groundwater game, and we piloted it in Andhra Pradesh. Okay, so it's 2013, and you're doing the early runs of this groundwater game. Can you describe what that's like? I think the first time we used a, a schoolhouse, and then the second time we uh, tried it out under a great big banyan tree. And uh, that was my favorite. It's, you know, beautiful place. People are in the shade. We got a group of five women together and a group of five men. Uh, just laid out the game, showed them what was going on, and then uh, played it with them. The game goes like this. People are given the choice between crop A, which doesn't use up much water, but gives you a lower financial return, so less profit, and crop B, which uses up a lot of water, but also gives you a higher financial return, so more money. So if everybody takes crop A, the water table is very sustainable. If everybody takes crop B, the water's gone in, I think it's four rounds. In the beginning of the game, no one is allowed to talk before making their decision. But after a few rounds, the players are allowed to start talking to one another. And then they decide again in secret which crop they will each plant. People really got into it. And even though we called it crop A and crop B, they would start saying, oh, this is Patty. And, um, you know, they, they were really relating it to their own situation. This year I need, uh, I need a lot of money because I'm marrying my daughter off and um, or sometimes when the water table was getting really low, some people said, well, I won't grow a crop at all so that the water table can recover. So we did see some real generosity going on, too. So what were the results? So we analyzed it, uh, we played the games one year and then we went back again to the same communities the second, uh, a second year. Because they had played it before, we did tend to get higher degrees of cooperation. We also found that the communities where they had played the game, they were significantly more likely to have adopted rules or done something about their water resources 
compared to the communities where the same NGO program had been done teaching people about groundwater, but where they hadn't played the games. So were you surprised by these results? There were a couple of surprises. Um, the first year, we found that women actually were more likely to choose the water consumptive crop than men. And that's not what we had expected. And it was because we had designed the game only about irrigation. And so I was at uh, one of the times that a woman, an older woman said, but if we, if the water goes down, we won't have um, drinking water. And the other woman said, no, 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 this is, you're not supposed to think about this. This is just about the, uh, about the irrigation. The other reason why we think women may have played the, chosen the more water consumptive crop was that people weren't supposed to leave the game until either they had gone through all the rounds of it or the water table was depleted. And again, one of the women in uh, one of the sessions we overheard saying, okay, okay, we get it. We need to go home and cook lunch. Uh, so let's, let's all choose the water consumptive crops so that we can get, you know, deplete the groundwater <laughs> and we can all go home. <laughs> Which taught a really, really important lesson that you have to be very respectful of people's time. Now, Jagdish. System thinking is very, very uh, commonsensical in villages. They connect one to the other. So I wasn't surprised about the outcome. I was curious whether the game would unfold and it would yield the results or not. It turned out that actually the experimental game really brought about some kind of a interactive conversation between uh, villages who would otherwise not at all talk about groundwater. The communities themselves also ended up changing the game. They themselves have come up with ideas like, why don't we change the crops, which are from excessive water demanding to somewhat less water demanding. How about changing the spacing between the rows and the way they plan. The other big thing that they said was, look, you have the same uh, uh, recharge every year, but we know that's not the case. Some years there's good rainfall and there's a lot of recharge and other years there's, there's uh, low rainfall. And so we said, fair enough, we can, we can change that so we could make the recharge be random. And the way we did that was we, um, you know, roll of the dice and then based on which, uh, you know, what came up on the dice, there would, that would affect the amount of recharge. Just sort of make it a little bit more interesting. We said, okay, well, it can't be somebody who's playing the game who rolls the dice. So we've got to have an outsider. And often they chose a little kid to be the rain <laughs> god. We have this great video of the uh, players, this old man um, 
bowing down and salaaming the uh, the rain god as this little boy uh, <laughs> rolls the dice. And, you know, but that illustrates why the games were really good, because people had fun with them. FES has run the groundwater game and teaching tool in 120 villages. It plans to expand it to 6,000 villages across India. What we are facing today is unprecedented. It's uh, calamitous, the kind of water scarcities, uh, diseases. Unless we start looking at, at issues which are not only on increasing the availability side, but seriously questioning our consumption patterns, that's the need of the day. What you need is a much, uh, uh, it's not a, a different uh, way of working, it is a different way of thinking probably. A big thanks to Ruth and Jagdish for sharing this fascinating story from the field. For our listeners, to learn more about FES, please visit fes.org.in. And if you're interested in learning more about experimental games, you can visit gamesforsustainability.org. It has lots of games. There's even one about potatoes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts so you don't miss a single episode from IFPRI. Till next time. <laughs>